Last week we talked about getting real and just being honest. And David in Psalm 13, turn your Bible to Psalm 13, by the way, is just getting honest. He's getting real with life. He's getting real with what's going on. And David was going through a really hard time. Let me recap a little bit. David, anointed to be king, he starts having the blessing of God on his life. He brings down the giant. He, 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 he goes up against the Philistines. All these amazing things are happening. The king is stepping back. Instead of being like, all right, he's like, what? Wait a minute. He's getting more attention. And God's using him in a, a bigger way than me. And he's jealous. And he starts going after him. And he wants him dead. And jealousy begins to just consume him. And it's, it's, it's a disaster. It's a mess. David is now on a run for his life. Instead of doing what he thought, I'm going to step into the kingdom. I'm going to lead. I'm going to do all these things. But instead, it's just just a mess. And it doesn't make sense because we start putting it together saying, God, I I didn't think that it would be this way. I just, God, what am I doing wrong? And why, why do I feel this way? He, he, he expresses how he feels in Psalm 13, verse 1. And David is just being honest before God. He's in this dark place. A lot of people believe that this was recorded while he was in the cave. How long will thou forget me, O Lord? You talk about honest. You, you know, we sit there and be honest with other people. Like, I feel like that God's forgotten me. David was like, you know, forget this. Why have you forgotten me? Just honest with God. He's just laying it out there. He goes... How long will you forget me, O Lord? Notice how he says this. <laughs> Forever? <clears throat> can, you, can you feel his frustration? Forever? How long will I hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? <clears throat> David felt abandoned. He said, where's your face? He goes, where's your presence? He felt powerless. And David was battling with his thoughts. David was battling with the fact that his enemy was winning. He's just being real with God. Now, now, I did a thing on Facebook, and I just started asking the question, what are things heavy on your hearts? This is, I didn't get them all up here. I tried to just find some that, some of the words overlap, but a lot of them wrapped up in resentment and doubt and brokenness and failure and loneliness and anxiety and illness and grief and you just say this is my life it's your life because our life is part of this cursed world it's just i mean it's not because you're doing wrong it's not because you're running from god you don't have to be jonah to deal with problems it's you can have deal with problems because you're breathing it's just it's in this world it's all around us but the problem is is David felt like all of these things, like, I've got it, I've got it for so long, but he felt like his life is falling apart. And even this, like Morgan was saying, I, I, I went on social media to be like, God is good and God is great and everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. But in those dark caves and in the loneliness, you're, you're like questioning God and you feel like everything's falling apart. Now for our life, you know, it's our cancer journey. For some of you, it's marriage. For some of you, it's finances. For some of you, it's health. For some of you, it might even be one of the things that we're not even mentioning. It's just, <clears throat> so let me, let me lay it out truly of how it looks like. Satan comes in and just begins to knock things around. It's not pretty. You know, you know we'd like to make it look pretty. It's, it's, like, <clears throat> it's like social media when we do the selfie. It's like, I'm going to take it 50 times, and I'm going to put different filters on it, different angles and all this other stuff, and then I'll present to everybody this picture that's not real 
We do that sometimes in life. We want everybody to feel like it's real, but really, in reality, everything just starts falling apart. This, this is more like life. I'm a mess. And all of these things are part of it, but I'm just, I'm just a mess. It's just not pretty. It's, you know, and sometimes we go to church and we're like, I wish, I wish, why does everybody else have it all put together? Probably because they're not being honest. We all struggle. I, I don't care who you are and how great your faith is. Can I remind you that the guy that we're using as an illustration was a man after God's own heart. You say, this wasn't David's life. He says in verse 3, lest I, I die. I'm, I'm at the end of this, God. All of these things are falling apart in my life, and I, I, I don't know how to handle it. Can I, can I use a word that we don't like to use in church because good people don't have these problems? Can I just say that David was struggling with depression? I feel overwhelmed. I have a dark cloud over me. I can't get out. I can't bust loose. I can't run away. I can't put it back together. And sometimes in our life, we try to put the pieces back together. We just end up making a bigger mess. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to patch up my marriage, or I'll try to talk to my kids, or I'll run in for counseling, and I'll, I'll, I'll get more faithful to church and all the different things that we do. And then you look back and go, I'm still a mess. It's still a wreck. It's still falling apart. It's still not what it should be. I don't say this because I'm, I'm trying to bring us down. Can, can I say that if we read the rest of Psalm 13, we're going to realize that David didn't stay that way. It's good to be real. It's good to be honest. It's important that we acknowledge the fact that we feel this way. But I, I, I want you to understand that we don't stay here. We shouldn't stay in this mess when it's like this. It doesn't have to be our lives. David did not stay in the dark place. We don't have to stay in the cave, and we don't have to stay falling apart. This is a journey, and let me just interject this and say this, that we'll have services like this, and we'll pray over each other, and we'll pray through problems and stuff like that, but you're not going to ever come down here to the front of the church, and we pray, and you get up and be like, well, I'm glad it's all back together. I wish it worked that way. It's all about steps. It's a journey. The reason why every time I reference what we're doing with Logan, I reference it as a journey because it's not going to be over tomorrow. It's not going to be over in two weeks. It's a journey that we're on. Can I show you how David began to make a shift in his mind? And that's what I want to do. I just want to shift our attention. I want to be able to take steps out of the darkness, be able to see like that I don't have to stay in this place. Last week, we kind of did an overview of this, okay? If you remember, I, I, I did verse 1 and 2, and we are like really down because it was really honest and really raw, but now we're going to take it into how David changed. He said, consider and hear me, O Lord my God, lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against them, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. So what do we do when life is falling apart? And so... Here's the first thing that I want to show you in this passage is David was crying out to God. That is the most cliche thing to say. You get into hard times, you know what any Christian's going to come up and tell you to do? Brother, we'll pray for you. You know, it's like, and I mean, that's not bad. I'm not downplaying it. It's like, well, you just need to bring it to God. And you're thinking, I know that. It's like, the most obvious thing is I know that I need to bring it to God. I know I need to pray about it. But like Morgan said, sometimes I'm bringing things that God, while I'm sitting there and the machines are still beeping, the nurses are still coming in, you know, it's, it's not like poof and everything changes. We're still going through that 
hard time. We're still, this is, David is just being real. He said, consider and hear me, O God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. This was a desperate, deep prayer, a plea to God. We pray often uh, when we're praying. It's, it's very cliche. <clears throat> it is easy for us to pray the now I lay me down to sleep prayers. We, we, we get into a routine of praying. And I think God has a deeper level of praying, a desperation that he wants to get to, a cry out to God coming from our heart and coming from a place of surrender and not coming from a place of repetitious. We just say it. We're, we're, we're just repetitious in our prayer. We repeat words. We go through the motions and we can sit down to do our devotions and, 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 and be in that mode of praying to God. And before long, we're, we're texting people or posting things or distracted about our shopping list. It's true. Can I just be a little raw and real with you guys and explain some of the things? So we, for the longest time, when Logan was first diagnosed... They said surgery was not an option, you know, because that's what, if you have cancer, let's go in and take it out. Let's go in and take it out. That's what we were waiting on. And they said, you don't understand. Your son is not even a candidate for surgery. If chemo doesn't work, there's nothing else we can do because the cancer was pushing out his heart so much that he would, he would die in surgery just from the pressure of the cancer being on it. Because it was, it was seven inches by five and a half inches by three and a half inches. It was like, a, it was the size of a small football. It was really big. So here we are going into this thing, praying to God that we would be able to have, be a candidate for surgery. And then, then they were talking about doing a heart bypass. If we had to do an emergency surgery, we're going into all these options and all these things falling apart. But then they gave us a date, December 6th, he's going in for surgery. So, you know, in our minds, it's like, finally, we have an answer. So you know what we were praying for? God uses surgeons and God used the hospital. And I'm not saying those things were wrong, but in our mind, and Jenny can testify to you, we have an answer. We, we have a, a thing, and, and he had to go through like number of tests and scans and all this other stuff because we were pushing towards December 6th. Surgeon comes in to talk to Logan. He sits there and fist bumps Logan. He says, dude, we're going to get you in college. And I'm like, I love the confidence, man. I, I love it. Yes, get him in college. We're already signed up for college. Okay, I mean, this is where we're at in our minds that this is going to be the thing. It's a scary, terrifying thing knowing that they're going to saw your son's chest in half, crack it open, go in and, and, and cut cancer off of the arteries and around his heart. They're talking about even going in and taking out his complete pericardium and replacing it with one from a cow. I'm not making this up. This is how extreme the surgery was going to be. So this is me and Jenny and Logan as we're saying goodbye to Logan as he's going back into surgery. And we're, we're I mean, we're, we're kind of, I mean, it was a scary thing, but let me just be honest. We were kind of like on a, like, man, this is our moment. This is the answer. Let's do this thing. We go out to the lobby. We're sitting there. It was scary. But, you know, we were just, we just knew that we had thousands of people praying for us and that this was going to be it. So, Supposed to be six, seven hour surgery, six and seven hours since it happened. It was like two, two and a half. And Jenny gets a text on her phone, the alert, and says, the surgeon needs to meet with you right away. That's not a, that's never, ever, ever, ever a happy thing that you're going to hear when you're waiting for your son to come out of surgery. That should be six to seven hours. We go to this consultation room. We're sitting there. The surgeon comes in after like 20, 30 minutes of waiting, which was just agony. And he walks in and he says, I'm so sorry. Nothing went as planned. We could not get the cancer out. We couldn't even start to get the cancer out. It's way more complicated. It's way more this, way more that, all this other stuff. 
even brought me to the lowest point, and Jenny could testify, I'm just sitting there, and I asked the question as I'm choking back tears of how long do I have for my son to live? This is, this is the reality of where we're at. We left, and we walked out of there, and when I, I mean, we're like zombies. I'm telling you, we were just like zombies. So it's like, okay, Morgan talked about the floor coming out from underneath you. That's how we felt, like everything just changed. This is not, I was supposed to, you know why I was recording everything at the time? Because I couldn't wait to post to all of you guys and say, listen how the doctors are testifying of the miracle. That's what I wanted to post. My family had the hotel room across the street, and they, they literally all went there and stayed, and so they said, come on over, and we went over there while Logan was in post-op because they said, there's no way you're getting back there because of COVID rules. We get over to the hotel. We're all crying and hugging and, and, and just hanging out, and the hospital called us and said, you need to get back as soon as possible, and we're like, what now? So we were coming back to the hospital, and they said that Logan came out of surgery, of course, and it was in post-op, and nobody, he's asking the question, did they get my cancer out? And nobody has the guts to tell him that it failed. So they said, the doctor's going to make special permission for you and your wife to go back and talk to him. So here we are. We're walking back there. We're an emotional mess. I've got to be strong for my son. And I'm, I told Jenny, I said, we're just not going to tell him everything. We're not going to tell him everything. So I go in there. This was the scene that we said. And I know this is not a pretty picture. We're just being real, okay? This, this was our life. This was what we had. IVs in his neck and arms and tubes in his chest and, and staples up his chest and just, I mean, just, it was, it was just, it was terrible. It was, it was a horrible thing. He couldn't move and he's laying there and he, I, I grabbed his hand and I said, hey, bud. And he opened his eyes. He said, dad, did they get it? And I'm like, you did awesome, Logan. Let me tell you, you just, you, you, you did so good. Hey, bud, it's over. I, you made it through. Dad, did they get it? And I am, I'm, I'm like turning my head. I, I am crying. I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, I, it's hard enough just seeing him. But now I have to put him through this because it would have been greater to be able to say, they got it all, bud. You're going off to college. But that's not what happened. And finally, Logan was almost frustrated. He said, dad, just tell me. I said, Logan, it didn't work at all. They didn't get it out. I'm sorry. I remember Logan just shut down. I was even shaking, bud. Hey, bud, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And it's just, what do you do? And then the nurse came in and said, you guys have got to leave. We, we, we weren't even allowed to let you in this long. And so we're walking out to go into the lobby. And it was like, oh, it's just overwhelming. The surgeon comes in two to three days later and he comes in and checks on us and he says, I think we got more of the pathology results back. And he said, from what we can tell, it's not the cancer we were hoping for. It's probably the worst kind of cancer you could possibly think of. And when it's on your heart, there's a zero life expectancy. Zero. But he was like, hey, bud, but we're going to get a couple years and we'll work hard at doing this. And you know, it's easy to be like, hey, God's got it. Hashtag pray for Logan. Hashtag God's not done yet. But I'll tell you, in those moments like that, I felt like David. Why does my enemy get to win when I'm on the winning side? Why is it that I'm supposed to be called to bring down giants and the giant is, is pushing us around? Why is it that I'm supposed to be the warrior for Jesus Christ and my life looks like that? doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up and it's frustrating my wife was preaching to me 
And sometimes I get up and I preach messages, but let me tell you, behind the scenes, one of the best preachers in my life is my wife. She says to me, she says, Tony, why are we sitting letting man tell us what is going to happen to our son? Why is it that in our mindset, the fact that the surgery didn't go through and and it didn't come out to where that, that, that dictates the future of our kids? Maybe it's a matter of God stripping everything away to where all we have left is only God. That's not an easy place to be. You know why? Because we have so many things in our life that we lean on, okay? It's like, I, 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 I'm going to be okay because I have family that lives close by. Or I'm going to be okay because they've got this new medication. Or I'm going to be okay because I'm going to get a raise. Or I'll be okay because we're going to go through therapy. There's all these different things that we lean on in life until sometimes God begins to take them out of the way. Sometimes what we view as God abandoning us and God giving up on us and God failing us is God losing. In reality, it's a setup for something greater. You won't cry out to God until you have nothing left but God. I know this is not easy to hear, but I'm telling you, if we are going to sing the songs and praise God and say, God, you're all I need and you're my all in all and you are my everything and you are my strength and you are my hope when I am weak, you are the treasure that I seek and all the lyrics and all the things that we can sing, Sometimes God says, I've got to put you in the cave, and I've got to keep you in the cave, and I've got to keep moving things out of the way to where you have nothing left except you being on your knees to say, God, you are my everything. And by the way, we say that at the beginning of that thing, but sometimes in our hearts, we don't fully believe it or engage it. It's a struggle that we have in our lives. Sometimes we're in the dark places, we're in those cave moments because we've not realized this yet, but God wants to get us to a place where we realize this. We, we, we have to lean on our faith more than leaning on fear. But that's easier said than done. He said, consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Light my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. In David's mind, the only thing I have left is dying. David was at the bottom where he had nothing left but to cry out to God and to hold on to God. I am telling you, there, there has got to be a moment in our prayer and in our lives where God breaks us to where we fast because we crave being closer to God. We seek Him and we get lost in prayer that rather than getting distracted from prayer. Where we crave the secret place with God. Where we crave being on our knees. When we're crying out to God from our hearts, not vain repetition, not just going through the motions, not now I lay me down to sleep prayers, but seeking God from the bottom of our hearts because I have nothing left and the only hope that I have is God. You pray differently in those moments. I believe that God wants us to understand even in America, all the blessings that we have, that we're increased with goods and we, we have need of nothing. We have so many blessings around us. But notice how David realized with all the blessings that he had, everything was stripped away from him to the point where all he could do was cry out to God. Let, let, let's just break down this prayer, okay? I'm, I'm telling you, you say, how do you get on it? I, I tell you, we say it's all God, but this is how we engage to make it all about God. He said, consider and hear me, O Lord. That word consider means, means look on me. Consider and hear me, O Lord. He was, David was saying, I, I, God, I'm asking you to look upon me. Remember at the beginning of this prayer, you know what he said? Why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? 
David's desperate prayer was, God, I have nothing left, but I am waiting and seeking and asking for you to step into my circumstance. This is it right here. Imagine this is your life right here, okay? I am a mess. God, I'm not relying on anything anymore. I'm not, I'm not reaching out. It's not friends that are going to fix this. It's not, it's not the economy that can fix this. There's no president that can fix this. God, all I need is you because all I have is you. In that desperate situation, and what David was saying is, I'm craving, I'm asking you, God. I'm not just talking to you. I'm asking you, step into my life. Look on me. See me. You know, oftentimes when I'm preaching about revival and things, and we just went through this whole season of this, seek the face of God, seek the face of God, seek the face of God. That's what we're talking about. That's literally, I want your presence with me. David said in Psalm 31, he said, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. He's saying in that position, he says, I, I want you, God. I want you more than chemo. I want you more than Ohio State University. I need you, God, more than surgery. I need you more than anything. God, I'm asking you to be greater than the circumstances around me. I need you. He said, consider me. The second thing that he said in there, consider me and hear me. He was literally laying his heart out before God, being in desperation of explaining what he was going through. Hear me, oh God. Hear my request. Listen to my brokenness. I, I love how he ties it into verse 4. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. I love the awakening that we can have as Christians. I think God is awakening, waiting for this awakening for us as Christians. For us to get sick of losing. You know, last week I said David was sick of losing. Maybe it's more for us to acknowledge that than it is for God to acknowledge that. No, I know it's more for us to acknowledge it more than it is for God. We're like, why am I losing? God says, why are you losing? You know what I'm saying? He's turning the script on us. He's saying, will you hear me? And God's saying, you are on the winning side. When are you going to stand up and start living like Christians and pushing back the darkness and understanding that my God is greater than the issues of this life? Seeking God, hear me. I need you in my life. I need you in Jason's life. And I need you in Greg's life. And I need you in Brock and Graham's life. And I need you in my kid's life. I need you right here, God. I'm asking you to hear my cry. Not just on Facebook, not just to the people around me. I'm asking God for you to hear my cry and my burden. Do you understand how much it meant to me as a dad to be sitting right there and listen to Morgan get up here and speak? He says, can anybody imagine what it means to me? Can I take that to another level? Can you have any idea how much it means to your heavenly father when you start opening your heart up to him? When you start getting real and raw and you say, does that, that, does that upset you to hear your daughter be so transparent? It thrills my heart because she's the real deal. She's just being real. Consider and hear me, O Lord. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He says, let me see the hope. The word enlighten me is talking about let the light shine in. This is, remember he was in a place of depression place of depression is I can't see light. David was literally in that moment asking God, can you let the light shine in? Can I see a glimmer of hope? There, there's a cool thing when you're praying and praying and praying and you're asking God for a breakthrough. God, all I need is something for me to acknowledge the fact that you are here and that you are working. God, I need to see an intervention. I need to see a breakthrough. I need to see a change. After that appointment that we had, I began to pray differently. I didn't know how to pray. 
I, I know that because I, I was praying for requests and I would list it out and I felt like, and I shared with some of the people that are close to me, I said, I don't know how to pray anymore because I feel like some of the specific things that I prayed for. So I literally, in that situation, I said, God, can you just give us a breakthrough? Can we just have a breakthrough? I'm praying, Lord, can you do the unexpected? Can you do something that I'm not even thinking is possible? I'm crying out to you because, God, tomorrow when I walk into there, when that we were getting ready for the scans back in March, can I see you? You know, it's a wonderful thing for God to hear his children saying, can I see you tomorrow? More than, more than internet, more than Netflix, more than anything else. God, I want to see you tomorrow. I want to see you step in. And we walked into that room and they told us, they said, well, we got something unexpected. Your son has some unique DNA markers on his cancer that we weren't thinking was possible. And it opens the door for some treatments that won't cure his cancer, but could buy him more time. Well, God's working in ways that they weren't expecting of that. You see, God wants us to invite him in to bring the breakthroughs and the, to, to enlighten and, and open our eyes and for us to see these things But look at the confidence of what David's praying. He says in verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. There's two things that David was praying to, or two people that he was praying to. He was praying, O Lord my God. The word Lord is, is another name for Jehovah. The word Jehovah is often used in Scripture when it's the personal connection of God. Oftentimes when God would deliver a promise to them and say, I am the Lord Jehovah, I'm going to do this for you, it was often described or connected to a promise of God. I will be there, I am Jehovah. I will take care of you, I am Jehovah. I will give you help because I am Jehovah. David in that situation, that darkness, he was saying, God, I know who you are. I know you're the God of promise. You anointed me to be king. You called me to be king. I'm asking you now to show up and do for me what you promised that you would do. He's praying to Jehovah. But I love the second name that he gave. It was just God. And you say, well, we use that generic term all the time. It wasn't just God. It was Elohim. Elohim goes all the way back to Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. And God spoke it into the existence. The word Elohim is associated with the power of God. It's associated with the creation of God. So I'm going through this whole situation with Logan. And they would tell me every single time, hey... Let me explain the cells, the cells, the cells. We try to break down the cells and the DNA of the cancer. And if the cells do this, and we're trying to find a medicine that can do this, and the cells multiply, and the cells get smart, and they, 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 they're greater than the medicine, and all this other stuff. And I'm stopping, and I say, well, wait, wait a minute. My God is Elohim. My God created cells. My God is the one that created DNA, My God is the one that gave the dude telling me that, the breath in his body. My God is the one that created the sun that we walk into. My God is the one that created the substances to build the hospital that I'm standing in. Who are you praying to when you pray? Do you understand that he is Elohim? He is the God that is greater. He is the God that can move and make waves and make changes in your life in ways that the doctors can't. You know why? Because he is the all-powerful, promising God that said that I'll be with you as you go through those things. That is the God that we have. He's the creator of these things. But man, how serious are we about crying out to God? Uh, Ken and Ingrid was with me and Jenny and we were going to a concert and for our life group and we pulled in to get coffee and we, we had time between our dinner and the concert that was getting ready to start. Uh, we were going, uh, it, was, it was just a fun life group activity 
and this van pulls up right next to us as we're going in to get coffee. And there's this Muslim guy that gets out with this, this, his, his little uh, rug that he had. And he goes over behind a, a bush. And we're watching the whole thing. And he lays it out. And he instantly gets out and starts praying faithfully in that spot. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, what dedication. Now, I'm going to say this without apology because I'm just going to put it out there. He's praying to a God that will never, ever hear his prayers. And that's not me being judgmental towards anybody i serve the living god who is jesus christ the lord and savior that died and rose again and lives okay that's the god that i serve that's not being offensive if we don't stand up for the true living god then people are going to believe a lie and they're going to go to hell because they don't know who god truly is the god that i worship is elohim it's not a rock and my god responds to me so the question is how do we allow false religions to be more faithful to praying to a false god than we that are truly the children of god praying to the one living god why are we not on our knees more faithfully praying to the God that does intervene and does care? And when my life is falling apart, he's the truly one that can put it all back together. Only God can do that. Notice the shift in his prayer. Have you ever, ever gotten things off your chest before and all of a sudden you felt so much better? You know what I'm saying? You just, you have to get it. Try doing that with God because that's what David just did in these verses one through three. Now look at verse four and five right here. It says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. So what do you do when life is falling apart? You cry out to God. But number two, you call to your mind God's faithfulness. In the darkness, it's hard to remember that God is good. In the darkness, you get so blinded. That's why Peter gets out of the water, uh, onto the water, and he sees Jesus. He starts walking across the water. What happened? He got distracted by the waves and the, and the darkness around him to the point where he started sinking. We will sink when we get our eyes off of God. So this is what David was saying. He said, and you say, how did he get to where he was crying, where are you, God, to I will sing unto the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. How do, you, how do you get from that extreme to the other so quickly? Notice what he does. He said, but I have trusted in thy mercy. The mercy is the kindness or the favor or the, uh, the merciful uh, aspects of our God. Looking back, this is what David was doing. He's in the middle of this. He's in the despair. He's in depression. He is down out. He is broken. But then after he gets it all off his chest and he starts crying out to God and he's being honest and transparent before God, this is what David begins to do. Now notice this. God, I have trusted in thy mercy. I, I, I know your goodness know your goodness Goliath should have never fallen but he did you did that I should have never been able to bring down that lion and that bear that one time you did that God I should have never been called out of the, the field to be anointed as the king. But you did that. God, I should have never, ever been able to bring down those Philistines as being a teenage boy and lead an army. But you did that. Do you know what he's doing? He's, he's, he's choosing to put his mind and remember the mercies of God because sometimes in the darkness... We have short-term memory loss to where we forget all the things that God has done and we're not calling to our minds the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I hate 
getting scans for Logan. I hate it. It is overwhelming. It is waiting for them to walk in and then bring up that picture and not knowing if it's going to spread, if it's going to be bigger, if it's going to invade, if it's going to be on it. I mean, he's got cancer on his heart. I mean, it's like, ah, it's just a lot of anxiety. You say you shouldn't have anxiety. Just, just walk in my shoes. It's, it's just a lot of anxiety. So I, I began to think about this and I, I, I began to look back and think, what in the world? When we first got this and, and we were overwhelmed, you know what God did? God brought two to 300 people from our church out to Children's Hospital with microphones and, and, and causing this big ruckus out from them. They thought you guys were some sort of like riot or something. They didn't know. Everybody was like, do you see what's going on? I'm like, yeah, that's my people. And those are, <laughs> they thought it was a rally. I said, it is a rally. It's a prayer rally for, for seeking God over my son. And they, everybody was talking about it. And all these people were out there praying over Logan. And God reminds me and says, remember when you thought you were all alone? You weren't alone. I had two to 300 people. And by the way, when we talk about God showing up in your circumstances, God shows up through people. God shows up through you and your encouragement. We had people that would just stop by the church. We had ex-church and some other churches around here that just stopped by and said, where's Logan? They gathered around Logan. They just prayed over my son. We brought him before the church. They prayed over Logan over and over again. I'm thinking we, we were getting cards and people reaching out to us that we didn't even know. We filled this entire section of our house. We have four walls in our house that look like that from people all over the world that have reached out saying, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. You know what God was doing through all of that? Saying, son, you tell me one time that you ever walked alone. Tell me one situation that God wasn't there having your back. But you know what? Sometimes when I'm facing the scan tomorrow at 1230, I forgot about the blessing and 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 the blessing where God says, I've never let you down. I've never failed you. Can I tell you something God reminded me of? I know we had lots of ups and downs, and I could tell you a lot of sad stories and things that have happened and times that we've been back and forth to the hospital and the emergency rooms and his, 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 his blood levels dropping, all this stuff. Can I tell you from the first time that they did the scan, his, his cancer shrunk 16%. When we had the second scan, it shrunk 44%. When we had the third scan, they couldn't even tell us how much it shrunk because we switched hospitals and they couldn't compare the numbers. When we had our other scan, they said, we don't know how much it shrunk, but it shrunk a lot. When he went in for surgery, they utterly failed at the attempt of taking it out, but they took out a chunk. You said, what does that mean? It got smaller. Said it was only a biopsy. I don't care. It got smaller. When we had the last treatment and they said that that wouldn't shrink the cancer, it shrunk 46%. It got smaller. God turns to me and I'm like, God, what about tomorrow? And God says, yeah. It shrunk, it shrunk, it shrunk, it shrunk, it shrunk, it shrunk. What are you complaining about? All he does is show up in the doubt and the darkness with the mercy of God to do what we cannot do. David says this, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Rejoice in thy salvation. He said, I'm ecstatic about this. I will sing unto the Lord. And I'm like, what? Sing unto the Lord. I thought you were saying, where are you, God? To like, my God is awesome. I mean, like, what a shift in things. But let me tell you how this happens. He said, why did he sing unto the Lord? Why is he standing there having this, this, this little worship service inside of this cave? Because he had dealt bountifully with me. Can I just remind you where David is at when he says that? 
right here in the mess. He's, he's in the cave. He's in the mess. Sometimes we're waiting for the circumstances to change before we praise God. And God's just trying to get our mind on him. It's, 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 it's what God's doing in that moment. And David just puts his mind on God and begins to think about the greatness of God. And he's standing up praising God. And he does that in the midst of this dark spot. What do we do when life is falling apart? David cried out to God. He was reminded of God's faithfulness. And our third thing we do is just simply wait because God's not done yet. I said this last week, but let me explain. This is what happens, and I need to illustrate this. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And that's where he's at, right there. And his brethren and his father's house heard it, and they went down thither to him. See, the thing was, help was on the way. His father, 400 men, the army, the next stage of everything that David was going to do was on the way. But you know what? David could not see it. Can I tell you again? David could not see it. God was working. David could not see it. God was working. David could not see it. Can, can I, anybody saved here today? Any Christians? Do I have a Christian here? Let me know you're a Christian, okay? Let me tell you the foundation of your life. We walk by faith, not by sight. We talk about my faith has gotten me through. I walk by faith, not by sight. So let, let me illustrate this because we often get so hung up on what we're trying to see God do. And we get so down and out. We get so frustrated with life because I can't see God doing things. But God doesn't work in our world. God doesn't work in our realm of our world. He works in the spiritual aspect. He's working behind the scenes. He, you know, we love this song, Waymaker. Even when I can't see it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. But in my mind, sometimes I get distracted that. I'm not looking at him as Elohim. I'm not looking at him as Jehovah. I'm just looking at him saying, why aren't you doing something? So here's, here's the, 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 the real situation. Do something. God, where are you? God, I don't understand. You said that you'd be with me. You said that you would work. You're not doing anything. I don't understand how you can be so great and I have such a mess and I have so much brokenness and illness and grief in my life. Where are you, God? But let's get real. Spiritually speaking, this is where we're at. I am to walk by faith and not by sight behind the scenes of your marriage, behind the scenes of Fellowship Baptist Church, when I am praying for God to work in my kids' lives and I'm praying for God to work in my church and all these things, God is working. So the Bible says and tells us about what faith is. And faith in that passage is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I'm mad at God. In my flesh, I'm telling you, I am literally like this. God do something. Where are you, God? I needed you. I've served you. I've done all these things. And all I've wanted to do is have you work. But where are you? I just wish you'd intervene in my kid's life. I wish you would show up in my illness. I wish you would show up at the hospital. I wish you would be there tomorrow. I wish you would do what I can't do. But you know what? You say you're all that, but I can't even see you working. I have no idea where you're at in my life. We let depression and we let anxiety and all these things get us down to where we're just mad at God and we're mad at the world and we're, we're depressed and all it is is my life is falling apart and God doesn't even care. 
But something happened to David. David begins to cry out to God. He got it off his chest saying, God, where are you? And God begins to say, you know what, son? I am Elohim. I'm the God of soul and I'm the God over cancer and I'm the God over circumstances. I'm the the God over treatments and everything else that we face. I am better than all those things. I am Jehovah. I am the God that made you a promise. Tony, Logan, Jordan, Jenny, Morgan, I will never leave you. I'll be with you in the CT scans. I'll be with you in the darkness. I'll be with you when you think that there's no hope to be found. God is working behind the scenes and all of a sudden we call to our mind the thing that God is. And although I can't see him working by faith that I know that God will never let me down, although I can't see him working, I know that God is faithful and God is good because he's always been good. And I know that just because I can't see it, that can be a lie of Satan telling me and tricking my mind. God doesn't care about you in reality. God's doing what man cannot do. God, enlighten my eyes. God, I ask you to show up. God, I ask you to do what man cannot do. And all of a sudden, God brings me into the light. And God begins to unveil to me that in the middle of my brokenness, in the middle of my anxiety, in the struggles that I have, in the doubt that I have, that God does and God brings to my real life things that I could not do for myself. That's real life. Faith It's the substance of things that I hope for. But the evidence of things that I can't see. So I trust him. I trust him. It's it's not easy. But when did God ever promise easy? Why are we waiting for easy when God has said that I'll get you through these things? He loves us. He's, he, he is the God of mercy. He is the God of kindness. He's the God of goodness. He's the God that's working behind the scenes, working in your way that you cannot see. So I'm just telling you, wait. Wait, you might be one chapter, one verse away from the whole army stepping in to help you. You, you might be one chapter away from that breakthrough, that change. And you say, what is the trick? What is the ticket? What is the change? It's faith. Faith in Jehovah, faith in the Elohim, faith in the God and the Lord God that's waiting for you to realize that you have nothing left. But when there's nothing left, you have all that you need because God is still 